No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome to another edition of BOA Audio Season 9, and on this installment of the program, we're going to venture into yet another realm of the paranormal, which we really neglected for far too long, as we're going to welcome world-renowned psychic and medium Chip Coffee to the program for a conversation about psychic abilities, clairvoyance, and communicating with the other side. And as I said, this is a whole milieu which we've never really gotten into on the program before for a myriad of reasons. And uh, as luck would have it, it kind of came together in, a, in an interesting serendipitous sort of way as these things do here on the program. I'll be heading up to Liverpool, Nova Scotia in a couple of weeks to attend the East Coast Paracon, and uh, it's really going to be a, an awesome event. I'm really looking forward to it, and what excites me about it is there's going to be a, a handful of real titans in their field there, uh, specifically two folks who are inherent to Banal of America Audio, Stanton Friedman and Lauren Coleman. So as soon as I saw those two guys were going to be in the same room, it's like Mick Jagger and Bob Dylan hanging out. I have to go up and just be be in the presence of that encounter. And, and beyond that, our friend Paul Kimball will be there, and amongst the titans, is our guest tonight, Chip Coffee. So I said to myself, we've never done the psychic stuff. We've never done this this realm of the paranormal because, uh, you know, as folks who listen to the show know, I'm increasingly cynical. So th- it's, tough to, <laughs> it's a tough topic to discuss. But I said to myself, now's the chance. You know, here I am, someone who wants everybody to have an open mind. I need to have an open mind, too. I need to really dig into this topic. And Chip Coffee, as I said, is a titan in all this. He's been on a bunch of different TV programs. He's hosted a bunch of different TV programs. He's really uh, a major, major player in this whole this whole field. So uh, I'm very excited to get him on the program and really do appreciate that uh, he's come on Banal of America to talk about all this. So welcome to the show, Chip. Hello, Tim Banal. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you, learning more about all this stuff. So, you know, it's Well, really... I'm not sure I have all the answers, <laughs> any of the answers, any of the answers. But, you know, I'll tell you what I believe, what I've experienced, what I've read, what I've been told. You know, that's about as good as it gets in the paranormal arena. I, I'm a star proponent of you can't understand it, can't explain it, can't deny it. But, you know, that we'll get into all that, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we start out the program with the bio and the background. And, you know, you're sort of a special case uh, as with some of the guests. I've been called that before, a special case, <laughs> absolutely. As have I, but I think under different circumstances. But I think it was probably your uh, – yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, 
I already, I already enjoyed this conversation because I love to laugh on the show. So uh, do I. Uh, so you know, we start with the bio, the background, but but you're sort of a special case because your your background, your bio is kind of your whole your whole life, your whole story, your whole what you do. You know what I mean? It's not just like oh, I research UFOs, but I also came from Tacoma, and you know, I grew up a you know, I grew up a young poor black boy kind of thing. So it's you know, like the jerk, you know, the movie The Jerk. So <laughs> you just gave them, you just gave my entire bio. What are you talking about? You just read it off. There you yeah, go. Yeah, you know, it's really kind of interesting because it's it's always. The the supernatural and the spiritual and the paranormal has always kind of been a part of my life. You're absolutely right. Hmm. So it's sort of when did it, it came up first when you were like 10 years old, I guess, to sort of uh, what I'm interested in. We'll, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll kind of dive in this way. How does your world-renowned psychic and medium now, it, it started when you were 10 years old. How does one sort of make their way in the world as a, as a as a burdening psychic medium, you know, like what do you, at least if someone's into UFOs or Bigfoot, they can go to a, a club or get online and meet other people with, with this, it's like an ability. It's like a, it's like a skill. So it's a little bit different from uh, those fields. Well, actually let's back up from 10 years old and go all the way back to before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, my great grandmother on my mom's side, my mom's dad's mother was a native American medicine woman and shaman. My mother had some unique abilities of her own, and in quite a play on words, my grandmother Coffee on my dad's side of the family read tea leaves, so Coffee reading tea leaves, which I thought always thought was an interesting little juxtaposition. <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward to right at the time that I was being born, my mom had to have a C-section, and the minute that she, the minute that I popped out of her, she was in the middle of a near-death experience. Oh wow! Her, her blood pressure plummeted. Uh, two beings of light came together. She asked to be able to stay with her baby, told them she didn't want to leave her baby. They placed her back in her body. She let out a scream, and the minute that I that she let out the scream, I went and popped out of my mom. <laughs> so, you know, I was told even before 10 years old that, you know, as a toddler, pre-memory, my own memories, that I would be playing and doing my thing, and I would stop what I was doing and look at the phone, and the phone would ring shortly thereafter. And then when I became verbal... I would stop what I was doing, say a name, look at the phone, and then that shortly after, thereafter, the person that I had said their name would call on the other end of the line, from the other end of the line. And so, in essence, what I, my joke is that I was kind of an early version of caller ID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, exactly. you know, 10 years old was when I basically, I started doing readings sort of, uh, you know, more. I, I remember doing readings about that age for people that would ask me to, sense things about them or their families or places that I was going to. And I remember really starting to delve into things. Probably I remember that because at 10 years old in upstate New York was when my family moved into a house that was very haunted. So that's probably why that 10-year-old mark has had such a sort of an impact on me. Okay. But then as you're growing up, so you so you realize you have this ability and everything. What do you what do you do? How do you do like how do you end up becoming what you end up becoming today as Chip Coffee world renowned uh psychic and medium? You know, how does that you know, journey I just, happen, I guess, is what I'm asking. I grew up I, I grew up and went to school just like everybody else did, graduated from high school in South Carolina, went back to New York, which is where I was born. I'm from Southern Roots. My parents were both from the South. But I was living in upstate New York um during my college years, I spent four years in college in upstate New York. And, you know, I always had these abilities, and I would do things with them like read cards or explore things in the paranormal or the spiritual or supernatural fields. But, of course, it was just sort of avocationally. Right. Uh, I worked on a lot of other fields. I worked in the hospitality industry, traditional therapy and psychology and counseling. 
I worked in entertainment. Uh, I worked in restaurants and bartended and waited tables. So I did a lot of other things. And I was working actually in the travel industry um, right before I, I sort of took the leap of faith and dived into the deep end of the pool to see if I could become a full-time psychic and medium. I I was working as a travel agency manager. I lost my job very unceremoniously right right after 9-11. The travel industry kind of took a, a nosedive after that tragic day, and I lost my job, and I've been doing some readings for um, a phone service uh, prior to actually losing my job. I was, you know, earning a little extra money on the side, and I once I lost my job, there were no jobs in Atlanta, which is where I lived, to be had in the travel industry. So, like I said, I took that kind of leap of faith and said, well, I guess now I'm a full-time psychic and medium, and I just sort of dived into the deep end of the pool. Um, I started doing more readings more regularly on the phone service. I started getting some local appearances and then some regional appearances and then national appearances. The TV stuff sort of kicked in from that, and that sort of leads to where I'm sitting tonight talking to you on the phone. Nice. There you go. Okay, so it makes sense. Sort of like have, having the skill is sort of like an instrument, sort of, and eventually you just try, you make a go of it. It really is a skill set. It's an ability or a skill set. Some people use the word gift. I think everything is a gift. Every breath to me is a gift. You know, it's a gift if you have a singing voice or a talent for acting or play golf well or football well or whatever, whatever, piano well, whatever. Hmm. So a gift is a word that I'm really comfortable with when it comes to what I can do. Power is not a word I'm comfortable with. Power seems way above my pay grade and too grandiose. <laughs> yeah. So I don't like it when people say, oh, you have psychic powers. I don't have psychic powers. That sounds like, you know, Fantastic Four. That's not that's not at all who I am or what anybody is who does what I do. It's, you know, for me, it's just it's a skill set or an ability, something that I can pretty readily tap into. Hmm. Well, that's now like I sort of kind of was alluding to this when we started the show. It's a, this is a difficult topic for me because, I you know, I've been in this field of uh, sort of more UFOs, Bigfoot conspiracy type stuff for like 10 years now. And I've grown increasingly cynical and and what I find about this whole sort of psychic medium field is that it's just like a minefield. It's very contentious. It's very contentious. And it's like, at times, and I don't like contentiousness. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, okay. I don't want to get mixed up in all this. You know, these guys are always, they're, they're fighting with, they're fighting with skeptics. It's like a really, it's a really like messy sort of thing. And it, and to me, trying to get a handle on all this, it's very difficult because, you know, I've had guests on who are like alien abductees and they, they have stories and it's like, it's hard for the for me to sort of grapple with a story because I can't quite put my hands around it. You just have to it's have to take a leap of faith, if you will. And I sure. feel like this topic is something that kind of requires uh, a bit of a leap of faith. So I, I kind of want to you 100. percent Yeah, I kind of want. That's why I tell yeah. that's why I tell people honestly, Tim. I, I tell all my audiences whenever I talk. I said it in my book. I don't give a shit what you believe. Excuse me if I'm not supposed to say that s word on your program, but you can say I don't really care what you believe. It doesn't matter to me what you believe. It shouldn't matter to you what I believe. It shouldn't matter what anybody else believes. As long as we are not doing any harm to ourselves or to others, and we're leading a decent, ethical, respectable life, then it sh nobody should care what anybody else believes. I, I, I tell my audiences, I, you know, I'm not here to convince or convert you to my ways of thinking. Not my job. I, you know, I'm not here trying to sell you anything. Believe what you want to believe. I don't give a rat's butt. So that's that's my whole – you talk about contentious. That's my contention. I don't care what anybody believes. It's not, 
you know, I believe certain things that my friends believe, and I don't believe other things that they believe. Right, right. You know, I have a hard time believing sometimes in aliens and Bigfoot. So, <laughs> you, you and know, me I, both, yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those things. I have a hard time grasping a lot of the stuff in the paranormal and spiritual and supernatural arenas. As I said when we sort of chatted prior to coming on air, I don't know that I have any of the answers, some of the answers. All, you know, I, I don't know that anyone does. Right. I think we're all... We're all going through this journey and exploring it and trying to figure out some things that we might not ever figure out. Hmm. Now, here's sort of an interesting perspective, and I kind of equated this to abductees in a sense, but I think that you'll see this uh, as I sort of elucidate the question a little more. But it, it, it seems like with your with your skill, with your ability, it puts you in a very difficult position in a sense where it's like, uh, I can, you know, I'll compare it to sort of like LeBron James. Somebody meets him, they think they want to play him in basketball, or uh, you know, you meet uh, a comedian that you want to tell him a joke or something. It's like with with someone with your skill, you immediately go from another person to like a specimen to people. You know, you see, you appear in it, it come off differently to other people just because that's human nature. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and I mean, how does that feel for you? Are you asking me if if I feel like I'm kind of like a science experiment? I don't I don't know that I fully understand your question. Well, I guess what I mean is like you know it it it's people see that you have this skill and then they're going to barrage you with all kinds of questions or requests or you know it's like they it's like they you cease to become a person you become more of an instrument to them in a sense. I fought very hard not to allow that to happen. Yeah, because I fully tell people you know I have a life to live. I'm not chip coffee, psychic, and medium 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right, I don't right. do that. You know, just like most people have a job, I clock in and clock out, too. I can shut my abilities off. I'm not constantly bombarded and barraged with information because I clock out. And unless I'm focused on the task at hand, I'm not constantly getting information. Just it's not happening to me. So, you know, I have a life to live in the third dimension. I, you know, I have, I have a house to clean, dishes to wash, friends to, to hang out with. Phone calls to make, you know, Facebook posts to post, exactly. things to read on the internet. So I have that sort of life. I love watching television and relaxing and taking naps in the afternoon. Right. But when it's time to work, I'm ready to work. And I focus in on the task at hand, and that's when I turn into psychic medium chip coffee. It's when I'm focused and, 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 and kind of clock in for the job. Okay. So, you know, and with other people, yeah, I get other people that want to share their stories with me and other people that want to ask me questions or things like that. And, you know, if I'm working, that's great. If I'm not, I just tell them, you know, I'm not tuned in, I'm not focused in, I'm not tapped in right now. So, you know, I'm just socializing. I'm just being chip right now, not psychic chip. Right, right. I think you understood kind of where I was going with that question. You know, it's like I don't go out to the mailman and ask him how the mail works. but No, and, you know, <laughs> it's just like I get asked, like, on your radio show. I, I enjoy talking about this topic and, you know, selfishly about my own history and my own work, but it's, it's, you know, I don't take chip too seriously. I take the work that I do seriously, mm. but I don't take chip as a person too seriously, if that makes any sense at all. I see what you're saying. I see exactly what you're saying. Try to check your ego at the door. I do. Absolutely. Well, I can tell because we're already having a lot of laughs. We're enjoying this conversation quite a bit. Now you, you say, I guess you, you say you can turn it on and off, sort of tune in. Give me a little sort of explanation of how that sort of works. Does it require anything other than just like, uh, I guess at this point, through years of, of, of repetition, you probably are pretty good at sort of, uh, I don't know, handling, maneuvering around this sort of thing, handling it, that kind of thing? 
I believe that we all have spirit partners, guides, guardians, whatever you want to call them. The guides and guardians are two different energies, but <clears throat> for the sake of conversation, just saying that we have spirit partners. And I've sort of asked my spirit partners to kind of stand guard, stand sentinel over the fact that I don't want a constant influx of information coming to me. I don't want to be Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. I don't want to be walking through the grocery store or Walmart or wherever and having you know people come to me and say, oh, there's my granddaughter. Say hello for me. My response would be, I'm off the clock. I'm not Western Union for the dead. Say yeah. hello your damn self. <laughs> you know, I'm not that's it's not my job right now to do that. I'm not I'm not working right now. You know, but if it's going to if information comes to me unbidden, Tim, it's because it's going to I've, I've let my spirit partners know they can send it through if it's really important, like it's important for me to share something with somebody because they need, really need to know this information, then they can send that information through. Otherwise, the, 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 the kind of parallel is it's almost like I have a secretary that's not going to let that phone call come through to me. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Let me see what else. Now, through all the years of this, have you ever done any sort of like lab testing to try and figure this out? I guess let's back up. Let me back up on that, actually. Have you, over the years, figured out more about sort of how this might work? That's probably the best way. Because what I'm interested in is trying to figure out things. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm wondering how far you've gone in trying to figure it out. Well, first of all, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I've been because doing the show for so long. Is, this is the way that I describe anything paranormal. Mm -hmm. I describe anything paranormal is, again, back to this, you can't understand it, you can't explain it, but you can't deny it. You can't understand what happened. You can't explain it, but you know it, things got real. Something happened, and it's just – and things in the world around us happen that are just inexplicable. Dots connect. You know, things, things that appear completely random all of a sudden, if you stop and think about it, don't appear quite as random. So I don't have it figured out. I don't have any clue how I do what I do. I just know that I do it. Hmm. Um, you, you brought up the whole thing about being a lab rat. I've never really been a lab rat. I don't have any desire to be a lab rat because, honestly, I don't have a thing to prove to anybody in the scientific community because I don't know that scientists are ever going to be able to prove or disprove what's going on here. Um, I prove myself, hopefully, on a, on a consistent, regular basis to my clients. You know, I've done tens of thousands of readings for clients all over the world, and, you know, they're the ones that I want. They they come to me to provide a service to them. They pay me money to do a reading for them. And they're the ones that I want to deliver the goods to. I don't care what scientists believe. I don't feel like I really have – I don't have anything to prove because I don't know what there is to prove. Hmm, right. Well, it's funny because I, you know, and I, I set up the other question, and it's like I already went against myself there because <laughs> I, was, you know, use the term lab rat. That's exactly kind of what I was talking about. It's like you know, it's a difficult spot to put in because like it's like there are people who who are inherently skeptical of all this, then then expect you to go into some thing and strap up all this stuff to you. It's like why, why, what gives them the right to expect that of you? And you know, even I kind of did in the question, but. You know, and you know, here's something that. else, Tim. I'll give you another. I'll give you another analogy, another example. Hmm. I'm a pretty bright guy, I, you know, and I'm going to brag for a second. I have a pretty good IQ, you know, in the 140 range, you know, and and I'm a smart kind of guy. I'm educated. I don't consider myself brilliant. I don't say that from an egotistical standpoint. I just state it as fact. 
But when I sit down to take standardized tests, I choke. I choke on standardized tests most of the time. I didn't score well on the SATs. I didn't score well on the on the, the whatever the thing GREs to get into grad school. I didn't score well on those tests. I squeaked by. I don't do well in stressed situations where someone says, you will perform now. Right. I don't do well on those. And I might go into a lab situation and completely screw up. But I may go to a client. Just this, here's, here's an example today for a client. I'll give you an example of something that's kind of random. This lady called me today on the phone and asked me to reach out to her dead husband. He's been gone for two years. Mm-hmm. I ask my clients for three pieces of information when they want me to talk to the dead. I do direct connections, not open channeling where anybody can come through. That's too confusing and cluttering to me. Okay. I, you tell me who you want me to contact, and that's what I do. I try to make that direct connection. She told me her husband's name, told me it was her husband. I asked for a relationship and then how long he's been. it's been since he passed away. He came through with a lot of information, but one of the most... I think the one of the funniest things that he came up with was he showed me in my head somehow I saw singer Andy Williams. You know who Andy Williams is? Yeah. Showed me Andy Williams, and then he showed me Elvis Presley. And I thought, well, there's a juxtaposition. Andy Williams and Elvis Presley, I don't know why he's showing me these two things. But then he said, messed up. The words messed up. Andy Williams... Elvis Presley messed up. Now, what the hell does that mean? I have no idea, right? You probably <laughs> yeah. don't either, right? Right, right. I have no freaking idea what Andy Williams, Elvis Presley, messed up means. None. She knew exactly. At their wedding, the song that she wanted played at her wedding was the Hawaiian wedding song. She wanted the Andy Williams version played by the DJ. But instead, when the DJ played the song, he played the Elvis version. Exactly. All right. I see what you're saying. Where do I come up with that? I, I can't pull that out of my ass. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And to your credit, you don't just go, you don't try and come up with a story to attach to it. You know what I'm saying? You're not like, I'm getting Elvis and Andy Williams and messed up. And is it about the time you messed up his record collection? You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't try and leap to a conclusion. You just put that info out there and then see what, what works. I, How it works, it. I guess. Well, you know what? Talking to the dead, making a communication for me, I can only talk for myself, is not like us having a conversation right now. It's kind of like spotty cell phone reception, if you will. Hmm. That's the only way I can kind of describe it. Or riding in a car and listening to your radio and the signal wavers in and out. That's kind of the way it is. And, and spirit will get things through to me the best possible way that they can. Sometimes it's an image or a short video or a couple of words or a line from a movie or a book or however they can manage to... to Throw that information from where they are to where I am. That's the way they get that information. All I got was Andy Williams, Elvis Presley, messed up. And, and you know, I don't want to write her story. I don't know what that might mean to her because it meant nothing to me. Hmm. Nothing. But immediately it struck something in her. It, she absolutely knew what that, that message was about. Now, it's interesting because you seem to have multiple abilities. But I don't – again, I'm kind of a neophyte when it comes to this stuff, so I don't really understand, I guess, uh, if, if that that's particularly unique or not. Because, you know, looking over your, your stuff, it says you can sort of see uh, – you, know, you can kind of predict the future in a way. What's So, yeah, precognitive, clairpresent, clairprescient psychic. So I guess 
explain what a precognitive clairprescient psychic is, and well, first explain that because then I have a follow up. So I have that. no friggin' idea what all that means. It's just nice words. <laughs> but, the deal, but the deal is this: all those clairs, clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairnascent, clairprescient, clair. You know, planet Claire. I don't even know. Yeah, but the Claire O'Regan, my neighbor. It's it's all whatever. But it, I'm just a psychic. It means psychic. The word psychic to me means, and I've redefined a lot of these words to sort of pull them out of the the realm of woo woo. Psychic to me is the ability or the skill set to access information or energy that you can't get using your five human senses. That's all it is. It's this. It's a knowing something that you don't pragmatically have a way of knowing. Or you can't explain how you know it. You just somehow you know it. So, yes, I am able to, to sometimes sense things for people, and sometimes those things are future events. Sometimes it's things about their past or their present or their future. I can sense things about objects sometimes, although the object stuff is not my strongest skill set. Um, I can sense things very readily if I walk into many locations. I can sense things that happened in those locations. What I'm not very good at, I'm not the best animal psychic on the planet, although I do sometimes pick up things. Um, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sort of envious of people who can see colored auras. I don't generally see colored auras. I sometimes will see like an energy field. You know, when you're driving down the road and you see that mirage of water in the distance when it's hot and the, the, the heat is shimmering on the road? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll see that surrounding people, but I typically don't see colors. And I'm a little envious of people that see colored auras. So I think that different psychics and mediums, just like the doctors and lawyers have different specializations, I think that the abilities or skill sets of certain psychics and mediums vary also. So there are things that I, I feel like I'm really competent and good at, and there are other things that I don't feel I'm as skilled at. Yeah. When, you, when you're having these sort of uh, precognitive experiences, is it – I guess what I'm wondering is, like, does it feel different than when you're communicating – uh, as a medium, like does it does it, is it or is it all sort of within the same feeling in, in a sense? It's hard to sort of get get the words to really express what I'm saying, but I think you you kind of I do understand get what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it does feel different when I'm getting information. It just feels like it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't feel like it's coming from me. It feels like it's coming to me. Um, I, I, there there's a medium whose name is John Holland. And John Holland says when he deals with his clients that the information he receives is through him, not for him. So he often says the mantra, less of me, more of spirit, when he does things so that he doesn't want his stuff, his crap, to interfere with the process. That's a hard thing because, you know, we, 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 we can't, we who do what I do can't just push ourselves to the side readily. You know, we're still in here somewhere. But it does, it just feels different. It, it it's, it's, I feel like when I've, I've reached out talking, if people ask me to talk to a deceased loved one, then I'm specifically talking to that individual. Whereas when I'm doing psychic stuff, then I'm a little more open to hearing from my spirit partners or anybody in spirit who wishes at that point in time to communicate with me. I, I open the channel a little bit wider when I'm right. doing psychic stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what. Yeah, that's kind of how I was interpreting it. Yeah. You sort of just open up the, open up the gate a little and see what comes in. Yeah. Right. Now you you mentioned these spirit partners a few times. This, tell me a little bit about this. How this? Uh, not necessarily how it works, but as far uh, how it works as far as you understand it. You know what I mean? Like do, are these. It, what is there like a relationship with these with these 
entities, for lack of a better term, and and sort of uh, you know, enlighten me to all that. I how to start. Um, I believe we have spirit guides and we have guardians or guardian angels. I use guardian just as the the loose term for that. But I believe that our spirit partners and those are two separate entities on planet ship. Um, spirit guides are benevolent, wise energies who have learned a lot about the way things work. They are elevated souls. They've sort of earned their brownie points, their their merit badges, and they have been entrusted to help us facilitate a better life and to sort of help us in a lot of ways to meander our way through the third dimension. Okay. Typically... We do not know, we have not known these souls or entities during the current lifetime, although that's, that's not the, the, the hard and set rule. It's, it's certainly the rule rather than the exception. We typically don't know our spirit guides. Um, they, they have lived a full lifetime on the planet and have returned to spirit, sometimes many lifetimes on the planet, in order to earn their stripes. Guardian angels are a different thing. Guardian angels are emissaries of God. Guardian angels have been appointed by God. They're in the angelic realm. They're the ones that are God's emissaries and God's protectors. They have never spent a full lifetime in the flesh, but they are very different than than guides. But both of them work with us to hopefully our benefit. And that's that's kind of the way that I view who partners with us. You know, and there's God and there's other people that are there around in spirit that uh, you know, there's a laundry list depending on what you believe, but there, we have a lot of energies and spirit that work with us. Hmm. But as far as you specifically go, this your spirit guides, like like I said, is there a relationship? Do they have names to you? Do you communicate yeah. like with them? How does the communication like uh, go down? I, you know, if I'm directly communicating with them, they, they just talk to me a lot of times when I'm doing readings. But if I'm communicating with them, yes, I know their names. And, you know, I'll just, I just kind of have a telepathic conversation with them. Sometimes I talk to them out loud. Hmm. Sometimes I talk to them in my head. Um, it's, it, it just depends. And, you know, sometimes I get a response. Sometimes, you know, that I feel is a clear response. Sometimes I get just a feeling of a response. Sometimes I really don't feel a lot. But know that, that whatever I'm saying, that it's being heard. Yeah. So it's just a weird sort of, and I know all this sounds weird, and that's okay, but it, it just it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and sometimes, quite honestly, it feels a bit schizophrenic. But, you know, hey, I, I and a lot of the kids that I work with on Psychic Kids and a lot of adults, I say, have yourself checked. And I've certainly had myself checked to see that I'm mentally stable. I lead a crazy life. I love to laugh. And, I, you know, I'm crazy, but I'm not effing crazy. <laughs> So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I I know that what I say sounds a bit impossible and what I claim to do sounds a bit far-fetched. But, you know, it does to me, too. It does to me, Tim. But yeah. it just it is what it is. Hmm. Well, yeah, I hope I'm not coming off too <laughs> – I'm not coming off no, you're uh, not. And aggro I think that, here. You know, you're asking <laughs> – no, you're asking some great questions. And, you know, it's 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 – and I don't feel like I'm defending or debating with you, which I don't like doing. You know, I don't like being put on the spot. I don't mind someone coming to me and saying, tell me about what – I don't understand because 
That's basically, and don't be offended by this word, that's ignorance. Hmm. That's, I just don't know. But, but I have been confronted a lot by skeptics, and put that in quotation marks, who rabidly come at me, and, you know, that doesn't set well with me. I don't like dealing with skeptics, because a lot of the times, those people who identify as skeptics that come to me to discredit and discount and, and try to, to just be aggressive, assertive, combative assholes. And, you know, that is totally unappreciated. Again, I don't care what you believe. Why should you care what I believe? Why should you want to come and try to, you know, take a healthy crap on what I do or what anybody else believes or does? You know, mind your own freaking business. If you don't believe, good, fine and dandy. Why are you trying to, you know, it's almost like overzealous religious people. Right. It's in the same ilk. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we've discussed skeptics on the show plenty of times, and believe me, I'm no fan of uh, of skeptics. And it's it's remarkable. It does seem like it does seem like this this milieu of of the psychic medium gets particularly attacked by the psych uh, by the skeptical uh, community. It's uh, oh well, they've gone so far as to absolutely hijack my Wikipedia page. They have just maligned me, and there's nothing I can do about it. They malign me constantly. They've tried to come to my events and expose me or sting me at my events. And my my response to that is, screw you. If you screw with me, I'm going to screw with you. And I have in the past. Hmm. And, you know, if they want to play tit for tat, you know what? My dad was an Irish sailor, and he was a spunky little guy. And you know what? I try to be very passive, much of a, as much of a pacifist as I can. But don't push my last button, or I'm going to come out swinging, bitches. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I read the article about the ones that tried to hijack the event, and... uh I thought uh, it was blah, it. blah 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 yeah, blah blah. Yeah. You know what they did? They tried to come in and, and and fake me out. We've got a huge book with pictures in it. We've identified a lot of them. They like to brag. They like to brag on the internet. It's not easy to to find them on the internet. We we knew who these people were. One of the primary people that came to that event was the girlfriend of one of the chief skeptics with the J R E F. She was, you know, I knew who she was right away. And I played right into her friggin' hands. I gave her exactly what she wanted. I just was so kind. You know, I, I was laughing my ass off because while they thought they were pulling one over on me, I was just constantly, I was screwing with them. Right. And, you know, my the only thing that I regret with how that was handled was, you know, I thought that they would keep try to keep it quiet. They tried to go public with that whole thing. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't, again, I don't care what people believe. You know, I, I played around with them. They come back again to me. If they're respectful and they behave and they pay their money to come to my event, fine, they can stay. But if they try to try to sting me or hoodwink me, I, I may give them a fake reading. Hmm. I may just F with them up a storm just to my own delight. But here's the deal. They'll never know if I'm doing it or not. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. They'll never know if I'm doing it or not. I may be effing with them while they're trying to eff with me. You know what? If they're coming there to try to rape me in a certain way, I'm going to fuck back. Excuse my French. That's fine. If you want to say fuck, you can. I don't care. I'll, I will, well, let's I'll... say that. If they're coming there to rape me, I'll fuck back. There you go. <laughs> well, I wanted to uh, – this is this is says uh, uh, this is uh, an observation about these folks. Uh, so I just want to read this part because it just says – it just goes to show you what kind of people we're dealing with here. It says – uh, when he, this is you, when he stated from stage that he was getting an older woman and a child, we sprang on that statement as coming from our people. Then we just wrote it through, agreeing to everything he said. It's like, 
how how can you in my mind I read this from these people and it's on the size cop thing it's like how, that's just bullshit man like first and of all they're making the assumption they're leaping to the conclusion it's like yes, it's they just are. Like we and, sprang on that statement it's like and here's get the, the fuck out of here Tim they came to me with stories catch these stories that these people came to me with one of the stories that was fabricated to try to screw with me was a dead mother I have a dead mother that's a hot topic for me. My mother was very dear to me. Mm-hmm. But but that that almost is spitting in the, the face of anybody who's got a dead relative there, especially a mother or a parent. That's hurtful enough. The second woman was a child. Supposedly her story was she had a two or three year old child that had been killed when he was hit by a car. A dead child hit by a car. Think of the parents that ha- that were there legitimately that may have had a child that died. That's the death of a child. That's horrific. Yeah. But catch the third one. The fake story made by the third woman was a sister who died at nine eleven. Oh man. This, see, so that's, that, this is like the behavior of, of trolls. This is not the behavior of people that that jet. Like, look, look at. Listen, Chip. I'm I'm skeptical about this stuff, but I'm not coming at it trying to fool you or trying to make a bullshit and try and mess with you, man. Like this, this is you know, come at it with your hands up. Come at it. As a as an open-minded, honest individual, maybe we'll get to some answers. But don't come at it as a dick. That's what they're doing. Well, you know, here's the deal. They came at me with utter fabrications and lies. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the deal. Let's just do a what if, okay, Tim? Let's do a what if. I explained to you earlier that I've done tens of thousands of readings, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. Even if I did fuck up, even if I did just totally go off the rails with their readings, even if I didn't know who they were and just messed up completely, let me just ask you this. Does that one instance, or those two or three instances with those people in that audience, does that discredit or discount the other thousands of readings that I have done for clients who've said, oh, my God, you told me things that you could not possibly have known? Right. Really? I mean, if a doctor does one operation and he messes up, he just the patient doesn't live for whatever reason. Does that discount all the other people whose lives he saved? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. That may be a bad analogy, but I, I just look at it in that capacity. And if you're coming at me with lies, maybe I'm not going to get be at my best to do things. Maybe I'm gonna. Maybe I picked up on the stories that I pick up on energy. I don't know how I pick it up, and I'm the first. To, maybe I picked up on their lies, and I saw their lies as truths and didn't identify them as lies. I don't know. I don't know how that would work in that case. But I do know in their case, in their specific case, I knew who they were. We had already identified them. My crew asked me how – you asked me about Greta, my assistant. Greta knows that we knew who they were. She knew that I was going to go in and I was going to give them exactly what they wanted and that we were going to have a good laugh about it. Yeah. And and they, they, they tried to go way public and say that they had pulled one a fast one over on me. And basically I've just said, no, you didn't. You really didn't. And again, I may do the same thing to you again, and you'll never know for sure. You're not going to prove a friggin' thing on me. Hmm. Because you can't. Right, exactly. You weren't compelled, though, at least at the end of the event, to be like, hey, by the way, X, Y, and Z out there in the audience, I know uh, what you were up to, and and, uh, joke's on you, or something like that. In hindsight, that probably would have been a good idea. I didn't do it. Yeah. Maybe next time if it happens. Just cause, uh, In hindsight, yeah. I did not do that. <laughs> that way, at least then you have the... You know, you know. because, hey, it wasn't... An, well, and to give you an idea, 
they were pissed off at me because a year or two earlier than that, the the boyfriend of the lady that was there with the dead child that supposedly got hit by the car, she her boyfriend tried to sneak in on a fake ticket to one of my events in L.A., and we caught him and threw him out. Nice. So they were already miffed at me for catching them once before. They're always miffed. That's a, that's part of the problem. With well, you know, what a horrible way to live. So many of them don't have any belief system whatsoever, and that's fine. But for me, that would be a horrible way to live. But, you know, you don't have to be an asshole about things. You don't have to be so combative and, you know, come at people with your fangs bared and say, our goal is to take you down. You know, uh, that's that's that to me is a little bit reprehensible. It's a lot reprehensible. Right. Well, it's like you can have no belief system if you don't want if you you know if that's what you ascribe to. But don't. But it shouldn't be your life's goal then to tear down everyone else's belief system at the same time. It's like correct. You know, now you're just like an intellectual nihilist or something. It's uh, it's it's depressing. You know what? I equate a lot of the people that are in the skeptical community, or at least uh, some of the people in the skeptical community, to the Westboro Baptist Church. Wow, that's a strong statement. But I can kind of see it in a way. They are pretty intense folks, and they're yes, angry. They are. They're angry. I mean, what? I guess what? What to get really deep on it? And they are mean. Mm. Well, what do you think generates the the anger about it? You know, it's like because it, I, I just can't seem to I can't seem to muster the anger about something like this. I mean. I, I think they they portray it as if they're trying to you know that they think people are being taken advantage of, but at the same time it's like, to be quite honest, even if this is all a big show, right? If it makes people feel better, then what difference does it make really at the end of the day? And it's like that's how I see it. I don't. I mean, and you know what? Here's the deal. I and thank you for saying that. By the way, even if I'm the biggest fake fraud sham. Snake oil salesman on the face of the planet, if someone leaves me feeling better and healed, and that's my goal in my work, is to provide comfort and healing. If someone is comforted and something inside of them heals or feels better when they leave me, so fucking what? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. It's uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating dealing with these folks. I can totally agree. It is agree frustrating with dealing with them, and that's why I try not to engage. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to have to convince or convert. I don't want to have to defend or debate. I don't like getting into that. It's just, it's it's a fruitless endeavor because nobody's opinion is going to change. And basically, all it is is it's frustrating, and it's it, 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 it again, it's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. Now, someone on my Facebook, I just want to like clear this up, or clear the clear the deck, if you will, because he said, "Do me a favor, ask why you, you refuse to answer any critical questions asked of you in the past on your Facebook page." I think we established this uh, over the course of this conversation so far that it's that, that you you kind of you're all set with. Well, what what questions have I refused to answer? I asked him that actually, and he said it was on his Facebook years ago that he'd not be answering any questions that they were deemed too critical of him. In other words, people asking about fakery on paranormal state, as this was the time period. Oh, let's talk about fakery on paranormal state. Okay, then. I'm totally open to talking about fakery on paranormal state. Was there? I guess I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what you want to talk about it. I mean, whoever it is (laughs) asking the question, I'm totally open to talking about fakery on paranormal state. You know, if if you're still communicating with them, ask them what they want to know. I'm I'm totally open to that. All right. Well, I, I I'll 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 forward your answer to him then, because uh, it's you know I I don't I I was kind of just wanted to make sure I did I asked the question because it's oh sort of well, like, basically you know, on Paranormal State. Let's talk about that. I was never asked. I did 31 episodes of a show called Paranormal State, mm-hmm. 
And I, and the time that I was on that show, I was never, and put that in all caps, underline it, highlight it, however you will, never asked to fake anything, nothing. And there was people have have accused me of oh, the producers or someone, anyone fed you information. That is a steaming heap of bullshit. No one ever fed me. I was kept. I, I spent m- most of last week with the executive producer of Paranormal State. She will come out and tell you in no uncertain terms that at no point in time did they ever feed me any information. No one did. I spent time sitting in vans, sequestered in my hotel room, feeling like a leper because people couldn't talk to me or interact with me. Cast, crew, no one was allowed to say anything other to me than, hey, how you doing, in social conversation. No talk about... The production, the cast, the casting, the crew, nothing. I couldn't talk about nothing. So I was kept completely in the dark. But with, with, with the allegations or, or assumptions or whatever word you want to use that anything was faked on paranormal state, if it was, it was nothing that I was asked to do. I would have walked away from it and said, kiss my butt. I would, I'm not going to do this. But I can say, in all honesty, hand on a Bible, lie detector test, I was never asked to fake anything on Paranormal State, nor was I fed information by anyone, producers, cast, crew, clients, anyone. I was never given information. Mm-hmm. Never. It's a tough it's – a, it's a doubly – it's a double-edged sword, or it's a double bind in a sense, too, because like reality TV and psychic stuff. So you get two – you get two – camps of skepticism there it's tough and i understand the whole reality (laughs) tv thing because people ask you know oh it's scripted no reality tv for the most part some of it is very scripted but the shows that i've done have been what's called soft scripted you understand what soft scripted is i I have a good idea but you should explain it to the audience so soft scripted is basically you know cameras are following you around documentary style 24 hours a day it's not big brother right but cameras you know they say we're going to shoot this scene now we're going to do an interview scene now so there is you're told in most circumstances for for certain scenes those scenes are set up there you, you don't have a script written but you, you know what you you know what your intention is to do in that specific scene mm. that your intention is to talk to the clients or your intention is to explain this or your intention is to go in and see if you pick up anything so that is what soft scripted is it's you, you've got you've got a game plan going soft scripted is like having a game plan going without actually writing dialogue or writing the scene out from start to finish. Okay. So absolutely, what we did was soft scripted, no doubt about it. But it wasn't a scripted series, and and nothing nothing that I appeared on was ever staged or faked. Right, right. It's not like the Kardashians or anything like that. Well, no. It's not like, it's not like that. <laughs> Not that I don't like the Kardashians, don't get me wrong, but, you know. Well, I, I don't have as impressive a uh, guerriere as most of the Kardashians, so, yeah. <laughs> well, we're all blessed with certain gifts. What can you say, right? Well, mine is not to have a big butt. <laughs> Hi there. Do you have any books on how to get rid of ghosts? Have you tried telling them you're ready for a commitment? <laughs> you're listening to Banal of America Audio. Oh, like a relationship. Exactly. That'll send him running, huh? <laughs> oh, I like her. Oh, here you are.
you go. Maybe this will help. Now, one, we'll move away from sort of this this sort of negativity in a sense and go to a different kind of negativity because people are always sort of fascinated by like evil and demons and sort of that frightening uh, stuff that scares them and, and that all that all that yeah. bad stuff, if you will, or good good stuff that's bad. Uh, so I guess tell me like a little bit maybe about what kind of experiences you had in, in dealing with uh, the, the the darkness that's out there and, and, and you know, have you perceived it in, in any sort of tangible way? Um, I was raised in the Catholic faith, and I certainly had heard a lot about the angelic realm, and I heard some things about the demonic realm. I believe that the world is built on opposites and dichotomies, if you believe if you can believe that, uh, and I do. I believe, you know, hot and cold, day and night, dark and light, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Every yen has a yang. And and if you believe in pure good, you've got to believe in pure evil. So that being said, I never felt like I'd been touched by anything within the demonic realm. And back to Paranormal State for a moment. When I went and did my first episode of Paranormal State, I was baptized by fire. I was, like, thrown directly into that on the first episode I did. And, you know, people have said, oh, there were so many demons on that show. You know, I don't – go back and count. Watch the episodes. It's just a handful of episodes that dealt with dark energies mm-hmm. that were called demonic. But, yeah, I feel like I've actually been in the presence of some demonic things. I feel like some demonic things have actually bragged and communicated with me. I feel like I've had to do battle in a, certain, in a couple of instances with things that were from the demonic realm. Um, am I very guarded and protected against that? Yes. My my Native American name should be Travels with Holy Water. You know, I have crucifixes <laughs> and St. Benedict medals and St. Michael medals, and my I'm armed with prayer and a very strong belief system. So I, I, I layer on the protections as heavily as I can. But you hear a lot, you hear a lot, Tim, about the negative stuff. Yeah. Because it's so sensational, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, if that's you hear about the the dark stuff a lot more, and, and and sadly enough, people a lot of people like that stuff. You know, they like the they like the the the, the spookiness of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know that's why they start selling Halloween candy in uh, the middle of September. It's like that's the well. It's well, part of the reason. let's put it this way: some of the stores in the Atlanta area already have Halloween stuff out. Oh my God. I know, it's sad. It really is. It's scary how they do that. But, yeah, pe- people like that sort of uh, titillating nature of, uh, of, of they do. evilness. They do. They I don't do. I don't know if that's even necessarily good for us as a people. You know what I mean? It's like, it seems like society's getting darker and people are still, it's like, uh, maybe maybe this this embrace of the, of, the, of, the, of the sinister, you know, of the anti-hero. Well, and you know, like, look at what I'm doing. I don't know if you've heard this, but look at what I'm doing at the end of October. Um, I'm... I'm doing a show on Destination America Network mm. called called Exorcism Live, and it is going and looking at the absolute true story of the exorcist, the story of of the boy who was possessed from Maryland who was taken to St. Louis for an exorcism, and we are going to explore the full story of Ronnie Doe which is the the name given to the young man who was actually possessed, whose story sort of became the movie The Exorcist. So, you know, people people like this sort of stuff. And what's your role going to be on that? Um, I'm doing some hosting things on that. I'm actually, 
um, going to be a psychic and a medium on that production and serve as the primary sensitive on the show who's going to try to, to feel some things about the people and the locations associated with it. And the show will culminate, I can't talk a lot about it, but it will culminate with an actual um, appearance in the house where he lived when he was in St. Louis. Wow. Sounds good. Sounds spooky. It is kind of spooky. Well, be safe. Yeah, and, you know, from what I understand, they're going to give it their entire primetime block that evening, and it's going to be a live, a live production. And, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to me, and it's one of those things. Well, one of the things I've, I've demanded from the network is, you know, you've got to have a Catholic priest there with a 55-gallon drum of holy water. You know? Yeah. You've got to have a priest standing by in case shit gets real. He's going to spring into action. Now, you do a lot of media appearances uh, on, like, mainstream media, which I'm really impressed by. What's that? What's it like, I guess, in that sort of situation? We'll sort of switch gears a little bit here. Uh, it's kind of similar. Cause I know you're going to be doing a lot of sort of appearances to promote this thing in October. So it's like, what what is it like when you have to do these things? Do you feel, because you said before, it's like when you take these standardized tests, you're kind of under the gun. It's like, it must be difficult to be put in a position where, you know, you're on some talk show like uh, Wendy Williams or something like that, and then you got to sort of uh, do perform, you know, for them. It's, well, a lot of times people have seen me on TV in work mode, and that's serious Chip in work mode. Chip is in work mode now. He's, he's talking to the dead, and he's going in and battling the demons, blah, 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 whatever. You know, and I've got a funny, irreverent, witty side, and like I said before, I don't take myself too seriously, but I take my work very seriously. Right. Um, I've been on the Queen Latifah show. I did her Halloween show. I went with Bridget McManus, who is her warm-up comedian and sidekick. Bridget and I, she's a lovely woman. I love her and her wife, her wife, Carmen. They're two of my best friends. I love them to death. But we went and explored the back lot at the studio, and then I went on and did an appearance there. I've been on drunk history, for crying out loud. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to show that I'm not this, I'm not St. Chip of Georgia. I've got a foul mouth. I'm the son of an Irish sailor, you know, and a frequently whacked out mother. But, you know, it's, it's you know, I've got this, charming, personable, irreverent, self-effacing side to me that, you know, it, it, that I wanted to be able to show more of. So I've got a new internet project coming up, a web series is coming up that is kind of going to explore that side a little bit. It's, you know, we're, uh, that was what I was doing in New York last week. I was filming some episodes for my new web series. And, you know, we're, it, it's going to show kind of a different side of me. It's still got a little of the paranormal because that's what people expect from me. But it's it's much more of a fun and lighthearted side to Chip because I don't want people to think that I'm this, you know, always this serious, moribund kind of guy. I, you know, I, I just don't want to be that that one-dimensional to people. Right, right. Well, I appreciate that because, you know, it's uh, it's a really heady topic, and I'm glad you're so easygoing and we can laugh a lot here on the show because, you know, it's you, 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 I get concerned sometimes. Cause I've heard you before, so I knew what you were like, so that's kind of why. Well, I, and, and I ask people who've met me at events. You're going to be at an event with me in Nova Scotia in just a few weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever your perception of me might have been prior to that, I can vastly say that I think that once people – who have seen me on TV meet me in person, for good or for bad, their perception of me changes a bit. Yeah. And so, and, and I would like to think that it changes to where they go, hey, you know, he really is a bit charming and personable. So I would hope that that's what the takeaway is. 
you know, that I'm not some, you know, oh, he's just got to stick up his butt and he's always very serious and blah, 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 blah. No, that's, that's very unlike me for the most part. Right, right. And if we want people to sort of, uh, you know, have a more open mind about this, we need folks more with your personality and all this, you know what I'm saying? It goes beyond just what, what you do in your field to also sort of all these paranormal fields in a sense, because, you know, a lot of the people who are in some of these other fields like UFOs and Bigfoot and stuff, they seem like they have a stick up their butt sometimes, you know? They they seem really like, you know, this is the biggest secret in the world and we need to get... It's like, geez, man, lighten up, you know? there It's, it's a story of aliens coming to a, coming to the world. Like, just, it's it's hilarious if you take a moment just to think about it. So, lighten up. So, it's great that, uh, that, that you have that attitude because we've had let's, that attitude on the show for a long time. Let's talk about aliens for a second. Sure. They scare the shit out of me. Aliens scare you? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I don't know. I think I know what a ghost and a demon is. I've got a pretty good idea of what those guys are. I don't know what aliens are. You know, and aliens, you know, I, no. Have no, you no, tried no, no. to, like, some... figure it out from, from your sources on the other side? Do they ever tell you anything? I, I, I don't ask that question because I don't necessarily want to know. I don't. Aliens scare me because it's kind of like I saw that episode on on Twilight Zone to serve man. You know, I, I know they're going to come here and say, Mmm, he looks tasty. Or, you know, they're <laughs> going to come here and try to poke and prod me. You know, I, you're not going to probe me, bitches. You're not going to do that. <laughs> I will cut a little alien bitch. You know, it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's just, no. Aliens, aliens. I had, I had somebody who's very big into the UFO community tell me, well, you know, once people have met me, lots of times they have their own contact or abductee experience. I'm like, hell no. Yeah, you're like, nice to meet you. I'll see you later. Hell no. Get away from me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I guess they, they are spooky, but I don't know. They are. I've never run into them, so luckily no. I don't have to. Yeah, I, I'm perfectly okay with staying over here in my little corner with ghosts. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. We sort of look at all this on the show here from like a meta level in a lot of ways, and it's interesting... Um, you know, we look at sort of the ebbs and flows and popularity of all these different topics and, and sort of how things have become, you know, they have their booms and their busts. And it's interesting that, you know, I remember, and I'm sure you'll be able to tell me sort of a better idea of the time frame, but I remember sort of when this whole John Edwards, like, uh, psychic thing, psychic medium thing exploded. It was like a big, big thing for like a few years, you know, and then it kind of faded away and it sort of into the background a little bit. And if anything, probably ghost, the ghost, uh, field sort of overtook it. But I mean, what do you make of, I guess, that that sort of downturn in, I guess, media popularity of this of this stuff in the sense that, you know, like I said, I mean, this guy's show was huge. And then uh, maybe it was just a fad. I don't know. But it's sort of interesting. Has it really? I mean, I hadn't noticed. I mean, you've still got Kim Russo has a show on called The Haunting of. You've still got... Oh, Long that's Island probably Me- true. Yeah, I don't keep you've track got of Long Island, Island Medium on television. John, John, to the best of my knowledge, does not have a current show on air. I know Char Margolis had a show on for a while. Uh, James Van Prague did. You know, Sylvia Brown was a constant, you know, fixture on Montel. Um, my friend Allison Dubois, who was the inspiration for the TV show Medium. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I've seen a real downturn in it. I think that, just like you said, there's an ebb and flow. TV shows, hey, I had a, a, a show called Psychic Kids. It, it lasted for three seasons. And the network didn't want to fund it anymore, so, you know, it went off the air. So it's just one of the things. It's the natural attrition. You have other shows that come and go. Right, right. You have, you have people, you know, 
Meryl Streep hadn't done a movie for a little while, and now she's back in Ricky and the Flash. So you've got you've got people that will take a, a little respite period from doing work to to live their lives or do whatever. So you know, it's do I do I see a downturn in things? Maybe a little bit, but I think that people are still interested, and I don't. I think for a while the market was getting too over glutted, yeah. and everybody everybody wanted a television show, and everybody was filming a pilot or doing a sizzle reel. And I don't know that that's changed a lot, but I think that the networks are becoming much more selective about what they're putting on. They just don't want the same old, same old ghost show because it's kind of like one of those things. Been there, done that. I mean, you've got Ghost Adventures, you've got you've got Ghost Hunters. Both of those shows have have had long lifespans, hmm. and they just don't want the same show, you know, revisited with a different cast. They want a new twist to things. Right. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And you make, you make a good point. It's like I don't I don't keep enough close of enough eye on all this. So there could there could have been like 12 different shows on right now that I don't even Well, know. and there probably are. Yeah. And in all honesty, watching a lot of those shows for me is like if you understand the term busman's holiday, that was an old term back in the day that was used when a bus driver was going to go on vacation. He didn't go on a bus tour. Exactly. He wasn't taking a busman's holiday. Exactly. So I don't usually take a lot of busman's holidays. I don't I don't regularly watch a lot of the ghost shows on television. I'll catch them if I happen to, to be watching, but for me, that's kind of like, I live this, I don't necessarily want to watch it. I'm going to watch Mariska Hargitay on Law & Order SBU. I have a crush on her, so... She is fantastic. Yeah, it's like a, it's like someone who's a chef. They don't go home and watch the Food Network. It's like they, no, they don't want to. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean, because people, you know, people ask me about other podcasts and stuff like that, and it's like, well, I don't have, you know, when I'm not when I'm not doing my show, I don't listen to other shows because I need a life. You know, I need a break from this stuff. I I agree 100. percent Um, yeah. So it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic. Now you it's another interesting sort of dynamic in a sense is that like you know we've talked about the ghost thing. It's like the, the with ghosts it's it's like ghost hunters they're coming at this phenomenon from a whole different area that you are, but you're all kind of coming at at the same sort of thing, which is someone that's passed over. Do you know what I mean? It's an interesting dynamic in a way. What do you make of sort of the explosion and interest in, in ghost hunting from someone who, you know, you're, you're in a unique position where it's like, you don't have to hunt ghosts. They come to you. So it's like, what, what do you make of, uh, of that sort of, uh, phenomena? Well, you know, back in the day when I first started doing what I'm doing, I, I've been a professional psychic and medium since the middle of 2001. And, you know, I one of the things that was very important to me was, even though I grew up in a haunted house and had been touched by uh, ghostly presences in my own environment all through my childhood, I really wasn't aware of how to actually use all the bells and whistles and all the electronic gadgets and things that, that paranormal investigators and ghost hunters use. So I made it my point to learn how to use those. There's a woman that is a very dear friend of mine, actually very much like my extended family, named Patty Starr. And Patty lives in Lexington, Kentucky, and she teaches a class on how to become a paranormal investigator. And I studied with Patty and learned a lot. The, the basis for my knowledge of paranormal investigating came from Patty Starr. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of other people in the, in the years since. But, you know, I think the goal, like you said, the goal was the same. It's actually being able to uh, bridge the gap 
between the two realms, the two dimensions, mm. to actually facilitate some level of interaction or communication between the two realms. And I, I don't think that the person who's using all the bells and whistles and gadgets is vastly different than I am. You know, my psychic ability is my instrument. Right. You know, my, my ability to tune in is my gadget. So, you know, I, 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 I jokingly call it my tool, although I don't like being called a tool, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's kind of like my tool. Right. Is, and I, you know, I have some of the bells and whistles. I have the flashlights. I have the meters. I have some other pieces of equipment that, that I can break out if, if I need them. But typically when I go on investigations, I don't use a lot of equipment, but the goal of, of the traditional paranormal investigator and the psychic and medium is pretty much the same to facilitate that communication. Hmm. Well, is it like a greater challenge for you in the sense that, like, like you said before, when you're doing a reading, you you have the information about. I guess when you go on a ghost hunt, you have the information too. But is it more of a challenge in a way because like they don't necessarily want to talk to you in in, in the way that a medium uh, session may go down. Typically, I, I well, I, I was going to say typically, I don't know. I mean. If I'm going to go to Gettysburg and I'm going to go into the Jenny Wade house, I'm going to know what Jenny Wade's story is. Right. Or if I'm going to go into the battlefield, I'm going to know what happened on the battlefield. If I'm going to go to the Stanley Hotel, I'm going to know about Stephen King and I'm going to know some of the stories about the Stanley Hotel. I mean, I, I can't live in a cave and under a rock. Right, exactly. You know, but many times if I've gone to locations, like on Paranormal State, I go in blind with no foreknowledge. So, you know, it's not that difficult. Usually if I go in and try to facilitate some level of communication. I very rarely come up dry with nothing. I mean, there have been times, absolutely, where I've come up with very little. Sometimes the dead are dead. And, you know, you don't get a lot of stuff, but it all depends. And I'm a strong proponent, a strong proponent of the fact that it is it is the combined energies of the living and the dead that produce results. Interesting. Okay. In in a ghost hunter in general, in one of these sort of sessions, like a meet, like like any time you're trying to tap into this, any time, it is the combined energies of the living and the dead that produce the results. Here's an example: I lived in a house that was very paranormally active from the time I was 10 to 14 mm. in New York. That house was a, a pretty much a constant hotbed of activity. To the best of my knowledge, many of the people who have lived in that house since then haven't experienced a lot of activity. So I believe that that the energies of my family and myself and the people who came in and out of that house at that point in time, combined with the spirits who were in the house, facilitated the results. Look at Amityville. The Lutz family says that they were beleaguered when they were in that house, but people after that, really not a lot. The folks at Haunting in Connecticut House in Southington, you know, Carmen Reed and her family, the Snedeker family, lived in that house, and they had crap happen for two and a half years. But the people henceforth haven't had a lot of things happen in that house. So it really, and I've gone to events where, you know, if you've got people that have been drinking or they've had some cocktails before dinner or whatever, that can affect, there, there are many things that can affect making that interactive communication happen or not happen. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that on the show with regards to all this stuff in a sense where it's like someone sees a UFO, which is much, you know, it's a dance, as we've described it on this show, a dance between the UFO and the person. What what makes up what the steps of that dance are, we're still trying to figure out. But I've been to James Gilliland's ranch where we sat and beat drums and called them in and things like that. I went for an episode of Paranormal State. So I've had that little bit of a brush with the whole, 
UFO world. That that's really one of the only brushes that I've ever had with the UFO world was I did a I did an episode of Gilliland Ranch, which was very interesting for me. Hmm. Now you talked about how uh I think I think you said it was paranormal state, how the show didn't continue, it was more of a money issue. I guess what I'm interested in in this line of questioning here is sort of like the media and the paranormal people always ascribe sort of these nefarious uh agendas behind the media when it comes to the paranormal, but I think really in reality that it's probably a lot more mundane in the sense where it's like if a show gets canceled it's like it's a decision made by the bean counters in, in accounting. Or it's, you know, it's like an average, you know, we don't get enough advertisers for this show because the demographics aren't right. And it has nothing to do with, like, the actual subject matter. But, I mean, what what's your experience sort of dealing with, let's say, sort of like the bureaucracy of television when it comes to these paranormal programs? Um, the networks are a business. They rely on their advertisers. If a show's not scoring well and not making money, it's not going to continue. And that just makes sense. Whether it's a reality show, a paranormal show, whatever it happens to be, any kind of a show that's not making the network money, why are they going to piss their money away and, and, and put money into a show that's not profitable for them? That just doesn't make any sense. That's ignorant. It's like buying stock that you're losing money on. Right, right. That, that's just, that's, that's, that's crazy. So, you know, I, I know that there have been, you know, changes that have gone on on some of the paranormal shows that, that people have tried to, to say there was scandal. People, when I stopped doing Paranormal State, people were like, oh, he got fired from the show. I never got fired. I was never a regular cast member. You can't fire somebody that's not, on, that's not been hired. <laughs> yeah. I, came on to, I came on as a guest. Can't fire me. You could say they're not going to use me anymore. That's not true. I elected to go on and do other things. So was I fired? No, I wasn't. There was some contention about a couple of my friends recently about them being fired from a show. Some people said they were fired. They contend they weren't fired. Um, I tend to believe they weren't fired. I tend to believe that they couldn't come to contract, they couldn't get contract negotiations to work, and they elected to walk away. Right. But you know, I, there was a lot of stuff about someone leaving another show. One, one of a triumvirate, a, a tricky trio of cast members on another show that I won't mention the name of, but the initials are Ghost Adventures. And you know, <laughs> they, they, there was why did Nick leave Ghost Adventures? And why did Grant leave Ghost Hunters? And you know, all these people, yes, I'm sure there's a story behind that, but it's probably not as sensational as people want to try to make it. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes it's just, I really don't want to be here anymore. Right, right, exactly. No, you hit the nail on the head. It's like people people in this field, they want to, they, they, they like, they, they, they can't, they, they can't just say, I don't know. They have to fill in the blanks, even on, even on human <laughs> events, even in human and affairs. And people love gossip and scandal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems, yeah, it seems like, like I was saying, it is, seems like it's sort of like the, you know, the decisions by these networks are often more made by the detergent companies and the pharmaceutical companies that buy the ads than it is someone who's like, I don't believe in ghosts, so cancel the show. It's like, they don't care. I have lots of friends who are network executives. I met with many of them while I was in New York. You know, I had I had breakfast with the head of A and E. I had a meeting with some of the very big wigs at Discovery Channel. I had lunch. Uh, this was all on the same day. My head was kind of spinning after this day. Breakfast with the head of A and E. A meeting with all the big wigs, a lot of the big wigs at at Destination America and Discovery Channel, and then lunch later with a heavy hitting producer. So my head was kind of spinning, and I do, I love them all, but but dealing with the network can sometimes be very frustrating 
because of a lot of factors. You know, they, they've got their way of doing things and, you know, and they don't do things on the same time frame that I necessarily or other people do them on. And it can be a frustrating relationship, but it's, it's necessary for, for those of us who work in that arena to kind of, you know, play along, play the game. And however long the show lasts, that's fine. It's, you know, Paranormal State was a great ride for me. Psychic Kids was a great ride for me. I've been off television five years, and I've gotten a lot of offers in that time frame. A lot of people have come to me pitching things. And I've been asked to be a part of a number of things. Instead, I've waited kind of until I, I felt I was ready and the right things were coming at me. I've done some guest appearances on things. I've worked to stay current and relevant. I'm pretty active on social media. So, you know, I... Even though I've been away from television, I've had a lot of reruns go on, and I know how the networks work. When the time is right, they're going to green light the thing that's going to work, and I'm going to go back and work with them. So although it's kind of a, a frustrating exercise sometimes, it's, it's just the way it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it seems like a difficult uh... – but it's a, it's a whole different world, you know, and it's it's a difficult sort of world to navigate if you're – Uh-huh, to say the least. Coming in, yeah. But it seems like you, you know, you do good stuff. So, you know, I'm sure that uh, it's good in a sense for you because you sort of have this cachet now where maybe you can kind of like develop. Did you develop Psychic Kids on your own or was that something that was like brought to you coming out of Paranormal State? I did an episode of Paranormal State that was called Vegas or Las Vegas. I don't remember the exact title of the episode, but it was me working with a very young female who was a medium who was being visited by a murdered girl. And um, they saw the interaction that I had with the young girl. They um, knew that I'd worked in traditional therapy and counseling with children and adolescents in the past. And on that episode, interestingly enough, there was an executive from the A&E Network on location with us, with the executive producers. And I think they started having conversations at that point in time about the possibility. I think they'd already thought about this a bit, but but I think that that's when it came to the forefront that they actually saw the evidence of what was going on, and maybe they set it up. I don't know. Yeah. But that was kind of, I think, when when Psychic Kids, that show, became a reality. So in essence, I think I, I was the cornerstone of that show, and then they built the rest of the show kind of around, around that. Hmm. Okay. Well, like I said, well, it's cool that you have this sort of cachet now where you can kind of maybe uh, develop your own stuff. You know, you get your foot in the door, you can come up with good ideas for well and that's you know and just like i'm doing with my with my my new web series you know i I, i'm not constrained with my web series by a network i'm not constrained with anything except my production partner that i'm dealing with and you know we can we don't have to play mother may i to anybody we can produce our own content without having to pass anything by the powers that be you know we're, we're we're the decision makers on this so there's 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 a sense of freedom that comes with that, if you will, and I'm enjoying that process a bit. I mean, we we're just kind of diving into it. We're coming into post production on the first four episodes, and we're you know we're we're just enjoying the ride a bit to see how this is 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 going to play out. Kind of a proving and testing ground for how this is all going to play out. So it's interesting to be able to kind of develop my own stuff. I'm I'm enjoying that. Hmm. Here's sort of like a broad question in a sense. Uh, I don't know if you ever really – well, maybe you have considered this, but it's like uh, as we get further advanced in this world of uh, artificial intelligence and technology and stuff and 
you know, humanity has grappled with the question of what happens to us after we die since uh, we can, since we first formed the question in our minds as cavemen. Do you think uh, that maybe these two courses will someday collide in a sense? I guess the question really is, do you think humanity will ever fully understand what happens after we die, uh, you know, while we're in the living realm, you know, in, in our lifetime, not in our lifetime, but, but just, you know, will we ever unlock the secret, I guess? I thoroughly doubt it. Yeah. Do you I think it's impossible it. to, or do you think it's just, uh, why Why do you thoroughly doubt it? Because, I mean, they're, they, they put a man on the moon. It's surprising they can't figure this out yet. Uh, since since people started dying, I think death has become the greatest mystery to the living. I think, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. You know, is it lights out? Is it roll credits? The end is, is does the essence of who we are simply cease? Or do we do we continue on in another form? Does that energy go on? I, I mean, that's that's the huge question. Yeah. And and a lot of it is whatever you believe. I mean, there's been studies that have been done. Uh, the the body weighs less when the spirit leaves, or this has happened. And you know, people like Raymond Moody have examined near death experiences and and the afterlife. And I mean, scientists have really looked into this, but there's no conclusive irrefutable proof of life after death. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't exist. I don't know why I feel that you're, that it, I'm, let's put it this way. I'm doubtful that we're ever going to have a real handle on the afterlife. Hmm. I'm doubtful. I'm really doubtful. I think that to a greater or lesser degree, it's always going to be kind of based on beliefs. Yeah. Well, it's a black and white situation in a sense, because it's like, uh, Unless you die, you can't say for certain that that's the answer. You know what I mean? So, and then once you die, you can't necessarily come back and and confirm it. So it's a very right. You know. And I think for most people, that's their biggest fear. I think that their biggest fear is that when the brainwaves stop, when the heart stops beating, and the breath doesn't come anymore, that that's just that's it. I mean, it's roll credits, the end. I think you know, to me, that's the most frightening thought of all. That everything that we're doing here, everything that's around us, I mean, everything that's around us right now, all our stuff, all our relationships, all that stuff is eventually going to either end completely or be dramatically altered. Hmm. So to me, that's that's a little unnerving. That's a little unnerving. Right. Well, I talked about this with Rosemary Ellen Guiling a long time ago on the show, where it's like, you know, we talk about, we've talked about, uh, we've talked about sort of a UFO disclosure on the program where they're like, you know, oh, the world will go crazy if we found out aliens were real and all this other stuff. But uh, at the same time, it's like, I think the real thing is, it's like the world would go crazy if we knew what happened after you died, because it would change the game of life. It would, ch- you know, people would, if, if you found out that there was nothing to life after you die, then people would just completely go bonkers, some of them would. You know what I well, mean? Well, and I think that lots of times that's what faith is. Faith tells us be a good person. And in my discussions with my spirit guides, I asked them a long time ago, in a moment of quiet reflection, I just said, what is the meaning of life? What, what really is the meaning of life? And they laughed at me, and it pissed me off a bit because I thought it was a valid question. And they said to me, Chip, the meaning of life is very simple. Just get through it the best way that you can. Make Make good conscious decisions in the moment and then move on. And I thought, that's a real glib and pat answer. You've got to give me more. And they said to me, 
you who are in the human form tend to complicate everything when it really isn't as complicated as you make it. It's usually pretty simple. They said, we, the great we, God, the universe, Buddha, Allah, Yahweh, whomever, spirit, God, Jesus, whatever, all we ask of you is two things. Do no intentional harm to yourself or to others and get happy. That's it. Yeah. All we ask. And I thought even that was very simplistic. I wanted to complicate it, and they said, just keep thinking about it. And in its simplicity, it became kind of all-encompassing and enormous. Because think about it. Don't hurt yourself or others intentionally and find whatever makes you happy and strive for it. That covers a lot of ground. Right, right. But I think that religion is a way, religion and, and belief systems, have always been kind of a way to keep people in check. Oh, if you don't do, if you don't treat people well in life, then you're going to suffer in the afterlife. It's kind of like it's it's kind of like wagging the god finger in your face. So you know, I think religion serves a purpose to keep people a little bit in check. But beyond that, you know, afterlife, what's it like? I, I, people say, why don't you ask these questions? Because somehow on this certain level, I know I'm not going to get a lot of answers. Right, right. And it's like, I don't even know what, what the point is to ask, in a sense. You know what I mean? Well, I don't to even be, know what yeah. the rules of the game are. I don't right. know. Have, is there a veil of secrecy? Is, are there things that, that, that can and cannot be told about that realm? I don't know what that is, but I've just, you know, and for whatever reason, Tim, I've never really asked a lot of those questions. I've been given little glimpses but I've never asked for a full tilt tour. Yeah. Okay. So you. Okay. That's interesting. And 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 just to I'm just to circle back though, like why it's just something you just don't feel like you want to know, or something that you don't know if you could comprehend, or what? Like why have you not? Or it's just something that doesn't interest you. Like why have you not pursued that that line of questioning? I think, as I said, probably not as effectively as I wanted to. I don't know that I. I don't know that, that that I would receive the answer. Oh yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I don't really also know that. I don't know that I want to know. There's a part of me that's just like, I just don't want to know. Yeah. Right. And, and and I can't explain that, but it that's that's just kind of how I feel. Hmm. That's fair, you know. I think that's fair, and I'm sure a lot of people might you know take issue with that. But it's like, why? It's your right to not want to know. You know what I mean? It's it, that that to me is that's your right to to not want to know that. So I see no problem with that. Uh, well, we're nearing the uh, the end of the show here. Let me make sure we we'll, we'll do some plugs here because we got about uh we got about seven or eight minutes here. So first, uh, as I said, we'll be seeing each other in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be at the East Coast Paracon. And folks can find out more about that at eastcoastparaconference.ca. Or just punch in East Coast Paracon and uh, Liverpool, Nova Scotia. That's going to be August 7th, 8th, and 9th, as I said, in Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Chip will be one of the big names there over the weekend. Also, Stan Friedman and Lauren Coleman, who BOA Audio listeners know and love, they're going to be there as well. Also, uh, our good buddy Paul Kimball will be there. He's the one that put me on to this event. And I will be there. I will be in attendance. I have no role in this, so I'm just a fan in attendance, which is usually the best way to be at some of these events, because then I can just kind of meander around, which is going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, so folks can find out more about that again at eastcoastparaconference.ca. I'm looking forward to meeting you, Chip. I think we're going to have a lot of fun up there in Canada. 
I think we are, too. I love Nova Scotia, and I've done some really fun events in Halifax. And, you know, I've got a, a, a nice group of fans in Halifax. They started a web page for me called Bring Chip Back to, to Halifax at one point in time, so I'm very appreciative of that. And if I can give a couple of plugs, uh, you know, Absolutely. if you go online to chipcoffee.com, C-H-I-P-C-O-F-F-E-Y.com, that's probably the best launch pad for anything Chip Coffee on the net. There's links to my Facebook page, my Twitter page, my Instagram page, my whatever, whatever, whatever yeah, pages. Geez, you can find me there. there. But all my events are listed there. All my scheduled events are listed on my website under the events and public appearances. You can learn how to get a private reading. I've got my little merchandise shop link there. So there's lots of cool stuff on chipcoffee.com. And like I said, that's probably the best place to start out from for learning about who this crazy man is you spent some time with this evening. Yeah, there you go. What are you going to be talking about so I know what to look forward to at the East Coast Paracon? What's uh... Actually, it, it, well, actually I'm going to be doing some readings, which nice. is going to be kind of fun. I'm actually going to be talking to some dead people and doing some psychic readings, and I understand also that there may be a little investigation that's involved with it. I never know. They just kind of push me where they want me. <laughs> exactly. You know, that, that's just kind of it. I just kind of show up going, lo dee do dee do dee do and they go, oh, you're on in five minutes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. You have a better constitution for it than I do, because <laughs> I, I heard about the event, and I'm like, just get me a seat in the audience. I don't want to. I don't want to be pushed or prodded anywhere. And then uh, well, and you know, point me I the bar. People ask me if I get stage fright or nervous or anything, you know, no, I'm, I, I, I'm over 60 years old. And the deal is, I, you know, at this point in time, I just roll with the punches. Yeah, exactly. You know, once you've been in this for a while, it seems like stage fright goes away pretty easily because uh, you're just doing another show, man. It's just another show. So I'm looking forward, like I said, to meeting you up there in Canada. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We may need to it have a minor be because between you and I, with the, between the laughs, and I think it's going to be an adventure. we got to make sure there's no international incident, though. I, I, you know, I don't want to be deported from Canada and considered, <laughs> and considered persona non grata. Yeah, my Canadian friends and fans and family, I love them dearly, and I love going to our neighbor country to the north. So I'm going to try to be at least publicly on my best behavior. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. I, I will as well, folks. So no one can tell, though. I may I may not misbehave, but I may not fully behave 100%. Uh, let's just leave it at that. There you go. I like that. I like that. that that'll be... <laughs> That'll be the standard by which I, I also try to hold myself to at the event. Again, uh, August 7th, 8th, and 9th, East Coast Paracon. I'll be there. Chip's going to be there. Lauren Coleman, Stanton Friedman, Paul Kimball. Also uh, other speakers, Barbara Thompson, Steve Vernon, Vernon Oikel, Daryl Walsh, and Charles Barkos. And, of course, if you want to find out more about Chip Coffee, head on over to chipcoffee.com, C-H-I-P-C-O-F-F-E-Y.com. That's where you can find out. Where Chip's going to be speaking and uh, more about his web series. When when do you expect the web series to drop? And does it have a title? Um, it does, but they're, they've made me promise not to tell about it okay. yet. But we're hoping that it's going to drop sometime in the fall. And, of course, as I said, I'm very active on social media, and I'll be talking a lot about it. As soon as they give me the, the okay to uh, to announce, I will be announcing it. But understand that it's going to be it's going to be a different side of me. It's going to be a fun kind of frivolous side of me with a little bit of ghostly stuff and psychic stuff kicked in also. But mostly this is a focus on on um, just having fun with some of my some of my friends. 
Okay. Is this like a talk show, or is it like an on-location-you-go-places type of show, if you don't mind me asking? It's more of a, a, a talk show. All right. Nice. Nice. It's more of, a, it's more of me having, having a good time socializing with my friends. Sounds a lot like what we do on here, so it sounds like it's going to be a lot. It of is, fun. you know, and like I said, it's going to be kind of a fun little, fun little lighthearted uh, romp, and you know, I think people are going to enjoy it. I'm, I, you know, knock wood. I'm knocking wood on my desk right now. Um, hopefully, people will enjoy it, and I've enjoyed this. Thank you. Some great questions. I've got to give you that, Tim. You gave you 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 threw some very thought provoking questions at me, and. Uh, and I'm grateful for the fact that you had me on this evening. Thank you. I really do. Uh, I really do appreciate you coming on the show, Chip. So thank you so much. And uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm a total neophyte on all this stuff. So hopefully, I did well and, and represented well, and, and also, uh, you know, came at this with a skeptical, somewhat but open mind as well. You know, fair fairness. That's all I'm asking for. You were very fair, and I appreciate that. Well, and I, I look forward to hanging out with you when we get to Nova Scotia, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Chip. And I will uh, see you soon, my friend. Thank you. Safe travels up to Canada, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Good night. Thanks. You too. All right, folks. There you go. That was Chip Coffee here on Banal of America Audio. You can find out more from Chip at chipcoffee.com, C-H-I-P-C-O-F-F-E-Y.com. And if you want to check out the big event, we'll be at in a couple of weeks. Again, that is East Coast Paracon. And you can find out more about that at eastcoastparaconference.ca. If you're just listening to this program via blog talk, first of all, you got to get over to Banal of America and check out the shows there because you're only getting half the pie here on blog talk radio. And uh, so if you want to know more about us, head on over to banalofamerica.com, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. We are also on Facebook. Just punch in Banal of America on Facebook. That'll bring up the page where you can find out the latest from BOA. Check it out and like us, folks. What you just heard was a live edition of the program here with Chip Coffee and uh, over the last five weeks, we've had a, a slew of international guests on Banal of America. And as I noted to Red Pill Junkie, the bill is uh, rather astounding here for our international expedition. So we're turning to the BOA Audio listeners to help us pay for our travels of the last five weeks and get us uh, back in the black, especially since we'll be doing actual travels in a couple of weeks up to Canada. And that's going to cost me a bit to attend the East Coast Paracon. So how can you help us out? That's simple. There are two ways to do so. Head on over to Banal of America and click the PayPal button. That'll bring you to PayPal. They'll walk you through the process. It's safe, secure, and simple. But if you don't trust the internet and you want to make a snail mail donation, you can do so by heading over to Banal of America and finding our P.O. Box address. It's right there next to the PayPal button. Just fire something off to us. It would be greatly appreciated. As we always say here on the program, no donation is too small, and all donations go towards Banal of America and BOA Audio to help keep the entire franchise up and running, freely available, commercial-free, and providing one-of-a-kind content for our listeners and readers all over the world. Now, let me see. Today is July 21st. I'm going to be heading up to Canada Towards the end, uh, I see here, the middle of the first week of August. So in about, oh, I don't even know. I can't count that far. Two weeks. 
heading up to Canada in two weeks. So there's a good chance, I'd say a better than good chance, we'll do one more BOA audio before I make the trip up there. I'd also like to do a show while I'm up there, maybe uh, with Paul Kimball, since I'll be hanging around with him up in Canada. So uh, I can't make any uh, definitive plugs right now. <laughs> can't make any definitive plugs, but... Stay tuned to Banal of America and BOA on Facebook, where we will uh, update you on what is next for Banal of America. As I said, I'd like to do one more show before I head up to Canada, and I'd love to do a show while I'm up there. I'll definitely be bringing the handheld recorder, so I'll probably be doing some on-site interviews as well, and those will be rolled out later on in August when I get back from uh, the Great White North. So there's a lot cooking here at Banal of America. But I cannot tell you just yet what is on the menu. So uh, stay tuned and eat some breadsticks. And uh, we'll have something for you before you know it. And uh, on that note, we say goodnight for the evening. Thanks once again to Chip Coffee for coming on the program. Really, really uh, fiery conversation. Really passionate dude. I really enjoyed that conversation a lot. And uh, I hope the BOA Audio listeners did as well. Thank you to the hardcore BOA listeners, the ones who have been with us from the very beginning. And, of course, thanks to the BOA Audio listeners who have just found us and have adopted us as part of uh, their Paranormal Podcast mix. You guys are awesome. You are the fuel that drives the BOA mothership. Thank you once again for making BOA Audio a part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Benall. Thank you for listening and signing off.